So Luxembourg is, of course, well known for various parts of the financial sector, including private equity. And that's why I'm delighted to be joined today by Raja Makwa, who is the founder of Kalista Direct Investors. Raja, good afternoon. Hi, Jim. Nice to see you again. Have you been in Luxembourg a long time? Almost six years now and very proud uh, holder of a Luxembourg passport since a few weeks. So I feel very European again. Wow. Congratulations. <laughs> um, now, tell us, what does Callista Direct Investing actually do? Sure. Thanks, Jim. Well, Callista is a kind of a, a newborn and newcomer to the Luxembourg private equity scene because I created it this year. But uh, before I tell you what we do, may I tell you why I'm doing it? Indeed. Calista uh, is really the continuity of my 20 years in the sector. I've been working in private equity since 2002. Uh, both as an investor uh, or GP, as we say in our lingo, in funds essentially, but also working uh, with private investors doing direct investments, as we call it, uh, mostly in Europe. And uh, my uh, previous role before Calista, as you know, was partially at the LPEA, which allowed me to really understand the whole ecosystem and partially at the same time running uh, a private equity portfolio for private investors. So instead of running one portfolio for one group of investors, I now advise a lot of investors to do the best possible deals in private equity, be they funds or direct investments. And uh, it's Recalista as the coming together of all this. And, and, and what we do essentially is advise uh, by sourcing and selecting investment opportunities uh, for our clients. Uh, we only get paid by these clients, so we make sure we don't uh, uh, appear as brokers, but as uh, you know, on the side of the client who we hold the hand of throughout the value chain of, of their investment uh, life cycle. Uh, and in that sense, uh, most of our clients are actually family offices and entrepreneurs. Okay, so we're talking about, uh, of course, the famous family office structure. Mm -hmm. They are your primary clients, are yeah, they? Single family offices, because family office is a bit of a misnomer. It means a lot of things to different people. But essentially, when I say family office, it would be the investment arm of a single family that is using uh, the structure to effect financial investments. And is Luxembourg popular for family offices? Yeah, it's a great question, uh, Jim. To my liking, I think it's still not uh, known uh, widely enough, uh, but we counted and, and we do this together with the LPA over 100 single family offices in Luxembourg that cover uh, a very wide range of nationalities and a wide range of, of size in terms of assets under management. Uh, these families come from all over the world because they value the fact that we are the center of Europe, that they find the full infrastructure here uh, in terms of talent, in terms of uh, structuring capabilities, and more and more now uh, with investment decision power locally in Luxembourg. And this is our, our target market. I have to say, though, that uh, our client base expands beyond Luxembourg, and typically these families have presence in other countries as well. Now, of course, what makes the news with private equity is when a company is bought or, or sold. Mm -hmm. um, however, Luxembourg is often the back end of transactions. Um, in, in what are you actually working with? Are you the back end or are you more involved with the front end, yeah. would you say? Uh, I know that's a common uh, perception of Luxembourg, but I realized uh, at Calista that there is no such thing as front and back. Nowadays, you have to work as an integrated team and you can't execute an investment if you don't have the right structure and the right lawyers. Look after it and but typically my 
day-to-day job is to work with the, the sourcing and the selection of the company that we are buying or the fund that we're investing into. So you may call it the front end. I just call it, you know, the starting point of a of a long story. And one of our key projects is with a large international family who's now setting up their own fund. Uh, and our job extends beyond, uh, you know, just uh, the, the, the sourcing, which they also uh, bring together with them from the US. So I would say it, it it's a one big lot. And nowadays you can't ignore uh, the back end, if you like, uh, when you're dealing with the front end. Now, um, other, I mean, Luxembourg, small market, of course, but are there many Luxembourg companies that are owned or partially owned by big PE funds? As you said, you're right. Media likes large deals. I, I like good deals. I mean, good deals be the, uh, being the ones that actually create value for their investors. Uh, the ones that are most prominent here are the ones related to the financial sector. So all the service providers like IQ, EQ and the likes have been uh, in private equity fund portfolios for a while and this will continue to attract interest. There's a number of startups that are also of a relevance uh, in the tech space in particular and in the industrial uh, side of the spectrum there are actually some targets that I won't name here that are owned partially or wholly by private equity uh, funds or even families but they're less spoken about because you know it's the nature of a, a private investor to remain private which doesn't mean uh, confidential but just not seeking media attention and, uh, and in a previous incarnation we used to, uh, I, I used to be with a firm that owned the uh, fast food uh, restaurant chains that are also present in Luxembourg. Uh, interesting. I hope you got free burgers. <laughs> I don't eat much of those, but uh, <laughs> I, they're very good. Um, now, let's just look at the Luxembourg economy for, for a second. Are there any particular sectors that stand out to you as where you're very optimistic for the future? I think what I very much admire about Luxembourg, among others, but to your question, is the virtuous circle and the win-win game between public and private uh, sector uh, initiatives. So if you if you have to name one at the moment, that's also in all the headlines is the space sector. I used to think that space was way too far uh, for private investors to look at, but uh, the Luxembourg government has shown a sense of vision by promoting this space. And I'm talking here, investing in technology of the space not space mining, which is something different. Uh, and actually today, one of the funds focused on that area has just announced its closing uh, between the US and Luxembourg. There's a couple of more coming up uh, and the government has been investing in that space, which I think accelerates the innovation. And you know, when we look at tech, and, and tech is very important today because it's uh, transpired through every sector of the economy and got accelerated with COVID, <laughs> is the fact that when you innovate, you create jobs and you create a lot of value. Uh, for the economy. Uh, so another sector is obviously fintech, in particular regtech and anything payment related. We all know that PayPal has a big presence here in, in Luxembourg. So I think everything that is very upstream has been widely uh, supported by the government, which is great. There's a lot of initiatives by Lux Innovation and the likes, which fosters the environment for startups. And actually we are seeing more and more startups seeking to have real presence in Luxembourg, way beyond domiciliation. Uh, other than that, in the older economy, I think we can look at anything related to healthcare that is also very important, uh, but I, I can't name everything. I think we go where Luxembourg can play the card of not geographical size, but uh, you know, depth of the market and the digitalization helps that very much. So we should support I, it as I, investors. I, sorry, can I just yeah. challenge you on that? Because I think the fintech story is a, a little
little bit overblown mm-hmm. because even if a startup sold their services to every bank in, in Luxembourg, that's still not really enough to build a big business. Aren't we just too small? We're just going to be a place to yeah, test products. Exactly. But that's exactly the point. So let's say you use Luxembourg as your uh, concept market. But from there, you have a you have a template or blueprint that you can then export to other countries. Uh, and I think out of Luxembourg, it's very easy to do that. And with the, the digital uh, technology available, I don't see why we should be limited by the uh, borders of, uh, of the physical country. I think nowadays we think globally. <clears throat> Now, let's just again look ahead. Oh, for these ICT firms, for the startups, at a certain point, they themselves are going to have to raise a lot of capital. Where should they look for big rounds of capital? Well, on Thursday, the LPA is hosting the LPA Insights Conference where there'll be some sort of a workshop to actually train startups to fundraise. Uh, we invited a, a few investors to, to kind of coach them in that matter. And I think at the conference and in general in Luxembourg, you can ac- uh, come across these family offices that are investors in startups. You have also a few funds made in Luxembourg that are very respectable, like Mangrove, Expon, to name a few because they're the oldest, but there's actually probably a, a dozen funds of, of that nature. In general, anyway, the, the world of, uh, of, of tech again and startups has gone totally global. So I always tell uh, startup uh, uh, and founders to go look for the money that will uh, help them, that will support them, that will be therefore smart, long-term capital. And this you can find anywhere, but to do so, you have to know people. So as you, um, how can I say, as you build your network, you'll have more and more uh, a chance to meet the right investor for yourself. And I don't think it's relevant if you sit in Madrid, Lisbon or Luxembourg. Now, you talk about building a network and knowing people, uh, and that's something that you are quite famous for, that you've got a, an amazing network. But how did you start, actually? Well, I, first of all, you don't think that way. I think you just start building it because you enjoy doing it, because you see the value. Uh, I think, first of all, it takes time. So, you know, I was in London a long time. London has always been a very big hub uh, of, of deal-making. And if you give yourself a bit of a pain to meet the right people and you show the right values and uh, the right agenda with them, it works very well. I think when I arrived here six years ago, I didn't have much of a network. I actually didn't know anyone. And what I like very much in this country is they value the relationship side more than the transaction side. So if you go to people trying to make a transaction with them and forget about them, you don't go very far with your network. If you build a relationship with someone for the long run and because you also enjoy being with them and and learning from each other it can go a long way and it's interesting you say that first of all thank you because I didn't see it that way uh, but I think Calista is somehow the coming together of 20 years of uh, smart networking Now Luxembourg as a hub for the PE industry I, I guess this has its roots in the uh, AIFMD does it? Is that why they are all here actually? No it's, it's part I think they're here first of all because as you said before the back end used to be very good in Luxembourg with the host of lawyers And, and accountants that are that are based here. Uh, in, in general, it's Luxembourg has been smart at building a toolbox that is understandable, accessible, uh, that makes sense from a business and structuring standpoint, way beyond any tax considerations. <coughs> There's a couple of other hubs for PE. Luxembourg is the most, uh, how can I say this, uh, finished product. Uh, and, and after a while, it's like what happened in London, you know, when you reach a critical mass or size, uh, it just attracts more and more. Uh, and to be honest, I wouldn't have contemplated another place to start my business than here for private equity if you want to be global and European. I mean, at least European. 
I mean, you've made reference to the, the UK there. Did Brexit affect your business much? Well, Brexit uh, disappointed us much, <laughs> first of all, for many reasons. But that's, let's say that's a personal consideration. I think Lom London will be, uh, remain a hub uh, to meet uh, investors and to meet entrepreneurs. But I think the, 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 the Brexit as, a, as a, a catalyst to remove the monopoly uh, status of London has worked very well. Because nowadays, when you think of doing a deal or setting up shop, you don't think of London only, you think of Paris, Madrid, Lisbon, and of course Luxembourg. And this somehow has helped Europe in the end, because we, now we have many centers of uh, business making, not only London, which used to be very dominant. It still is, I think, by a margin, the biggest hub. Um, I would say rendezvous in five years to see where that uh, leaves us. I don't hold a crystal ball, but I would say for sure the position of London in general will be weakened and it may attract different kinds of business than what it used to. Europe, Singapore, maybe. Um, now, <laughs> Why not? as we come out of the uh, most unbelievable of pandemics and lockdowns, um, there were news stories uh, about this whole buildup of capital, uh, suggesting that as we come out, the economy should see a boost, that we should see a wave of public and private capital in the, in the markets. I, is that good news for you? It, it should have been, but I think the capital has remained stuck in the stock market and hasn't uh, trickled down to the real economy, which is a shame, uh, because when you look today at the valuations, somehow they're favorable for those who want to exit their companies. And you see all these startups set up 10, 12 years ago, uh, making the most of this uh, window of opportunity. But for us long-term investors, this is just one blip. Uh, same thing goes with SPACs that have been flooding the market. Uh, I think we should see more capital coming all the way down to, to the real uh, businesses and the real entrepreneurs. Um, it's not happening as we wanted to do, and and the the reason is that uh, uh, interest rates are too low to trigger any kind of uh, movement in that direction. At the same time, I think it has favored um, investments into startup to some extent because there is more liquidity sitting sitting in the balance sheet of uh, financial investors. So I would say it's a mixed bag, and it's very hard to give a, a one size fit all answer. Let, let, if you want, we can do another chat about specific uh, subsets of the economy that way. I suppose another angle to that question would be that we've now got uh, individuals who have uh, saved, they've accumulated wealth, uh, they're looking for something to do with it. Um, how can uh, a medium-sized investor, so not a high net wealth individual necessarily, but a medium-sized gain access to investing in a direct way? In private equity, you For mean? example, yeah. Yeah, sure. Well, if they're not obsessed with crypto, which I'm not at all, because I still like to understand the fundamentals of a business, uh, there are now more and more solutions to invest directly into private equity with smaller tickets. I still don't think uh, Mr. and Mrs. Uh, uh, Main Street uh, can access the asset class uh, that has some also regulatory barriers, but there's online solutions like Moonfair uh, that offer you uh, a selection of solutions that uh, you can embark on with uh, 100 or 50,000 euros at a time, but you still have to be well advised in terms of how you select these investments because they pre-select them for you, but you still make the decision. Uh, there's more and more uh, private banks that offer solutions to their clients via feeder funds, but that has a cost in both the cases of uh, Moonfair and the private banks. I would say sometimes you can club your investment with others. I mean, and if you think of it, business angels have always existed, uh, except this has 
not been done in a very professional way. It's more, uh, let's say, some sort of talent coming together to back startups. Uh, in the end, I always say private equity is the long game. You have to take time to understand it and you have also to be backed uh, by serious professional advice. Uh, we also have the French public bank BPI uh, has just recently offered uh, solutions to invest in a fund of funds for as little as 5,000 euros uh, with the target returns of 6-7%, which I think is being achieved because it started two years ago. Uh, I say each, each, each uh, investor has to have a good understanding of their risk return uh, profile and risk appetite before they jump in. But happy always to, to talk to uh, potential investors and provide them with a very friendly piece of advice on a generic basis. Because actually that's one of the things you do, isn't it? You're providing advice. That's true, totally advice, but it's really for much more professional and higher net worth uh, families. That's why we spoke of single family offices. These are more uh, institutional grade families with uh, you know, a net worth of uh, several tens of millions uh, who can also embark on a larger adventure. But uh, there is no little money, so we are open to talk to anybody, also if they're not clients, you know, just because I, I'm really keen on the demystifying PE and making it seen as a real economy uh, value creator. Before I let you go, one final question, sure. uh, because there's one topic that, of course, is permeating the whole financial sector, and that's ESG. How much of a sort of, uh, of an impact has it had on the way that you work, on the kind of investments you, you do when you're considering ESG criteria? Sure. Well, I cannot speak for the industry completely, but I, I like to think that in, in my team and my environment, we are ESG uh, built by design because we've always looked at diversity. We've always looked at not hurting the environment and making people feel good. And at the firm now, we somehow put a formal layer onto this. But I do see in the families that we advise and who, by the way, we invest alongside our families, I should say, that's part of ESG for me because it's called alignment of interests. Uh, and for me, it's very important that we are one team with whoever we work. Uh, you do see in the next gen uh, of these families uh, more and more concern around environmental issues, uh, obviously related also to climate change, which Luxembourg is also tackling via the ICFA. Uh, from the institution standpoint, you see a lot of push uh, being done by the LPs or let's say the pension funds of this world that remain the biggest investors in PE, which is a good thing. And I guess we will decide that this has been a success when it became when it becomes a non-event and that it's just uh, embedded in the very fabric of what we do. Raja Makwa, she is the founder of Kalista Direct Investors. For more information, go to kalista-directinvestors.eu. Raja, thank you very much. Thank you, Jim, for having me and all the best. Thank you. Thank you for joining us at today's Club Insights podcast. If you like this, you can tune into future podcasts wherever you find them at Spotify, Apple Music, or also at paperjam.lu. And if you'd like to join the Paperjam and Delano Business Club, simply send an email to club at paperjam.lu. 